Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Broadcasting live from 4th and John Quarantine Studios, powered by 102.5 Fox, The Gambler, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to 4th and John, episode 123, the 2020 NFL Draft Reaction Show. Boys and girls, can we just right here, right now, agree that this has been one of the more crazy drafts in recent Eagles memory? Not only because of the positions that they drafted, not only because of the players that they drafted, because I went into the NFL draft feeling some sort of way on day one. After I checked the timeline Saturday morning, I found that to say it was engulfed in flames would be completely putting it lightly. And after day two, I felt differently about day two than I did Day one. And then going into day three, I felt differently about day three than I did day two, day two than I did day one. It was an absolute topsy-turvy draft. There's a lot to discuss. The Eagles came away with a lot of selections and a lot of questions going into the future. Some of them were answered. Some questions kind of manifested themselves. But before we get into it, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing I'm doing. Better. I'm doing better. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I, I still haven't slept. We we had a, what 20 21 hours of live streaming for the draft. I just want to thank all the people that joined in on the fun. We had a lot of laughs, a lot of good times. We shed some tears as well. Uh, but I, I'm going to start with a little quote. Uh, Sometimes we create our own heartbreaks through expectation. Uh, looking at the draft and everyone studying the draft and having their favorite players and picks that you want in certain rounds. When you get to that selection, you expect and hope that the Eagles will uh, coincide with your dreams. And, and when you expect 
that's where you get your heart broken sometimes. And you know, the first round was was uh, right right on par with where we, where we wanted to be in terms of uh, coming from my end of things. I, I guess the second round, which is the talk of the town in Philadelphia and all across Eagles Nation, drew us for a loop. But uh, you know how we did a decent job of uh, salvaging the rest of the draft. He moved around, got a couple picks, got Marquise Goodwin, uh, got some speed. Most importantly, that's the one thing that this team has been missing. So hats off to Howie Roseman for finally getting uh, Carson Wentz some weapons. And we're going to get into all these picks. Chris Maley, head writer for 4th especially when it comes to the NFL draft, was joining us on our draft live stream all throughout the weekend. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the dust has settled a little bit. Um, so has some of the angst of seeing what Howie Roseman was going to do. Um, there's been a little bit of damage control on on his side. It's been good to hear from the team and some of the players, but it's exciting, and I think we're all just really um, anticipating the season. Hopefully it happens, and we just want to see what we got with these guys. Evan Hollywood Hearn joins us on the line. Was dra- watching the draft on the 4th and John live stream all weekend. How are you doing this mm-hmm. evening? I'm doing great. I uh, I also want to thank everybody that uh, tuned in. That was honestly such a uh, – we're in a really weird time right now with everything that's going on. I think that was a really cool way for us to be able to experience the draft all together. I know we would have been in Xfinity Live or somewhere all together watching that draft, but it was nice to do it one way or another. Um, to say that the timeline – was in flames i think is you're right an understatement a eh? like you i woke up the next day uh after day one and i just i looked around and there was people that were gung-ho there were people that were the, the sky was falling and um honestly I, I all all in all i like what we did in the draft uh there's some moves that I think are questionable and i'm sure we're going to get into it but uh all in all i uh i'm i like what how we came away with I think everybody's licking their chops to talk about that second-round pick, and trust me, we're going to get there. <laughs> not, not only are we going to get there, but we did an entire <laughs> Jalen Hurts apocalypse pod, emergency podcast to kind of talk it out, and we're certainly mm-hmm. going to get there. And bring it up the rear, as he always does. Dustin Troxel, how are you this evening? Hey, guys. You know, it, uh, it, it, like Evan just said, it was refreshing to do that live feed. And uh, Gail... Man, you brought it hard. You brought it home. When I yeah, man, you killed you it, man. 24 hours, bro. 24 hours you did in three 21 days. 21 hours, man. That's impressive. Yo, Eagle, Eagle fans are you. speaking at, like, they wanted to talk at, like, 3 a.m. about this, this whole draft. <laughs> I mean, Eagle fans are crazy, dude. Yeah, I, you know, it, it was just good to do that, man. And uh, E, me and you are on the same level when it comes to the draft. We're like, we want to sit back and see what happens on the field because we just don't go detailed like Chris and uh, Gail do. But, uh I looked at a couple of late players because I didn't pay attention to anything on Sunday. And, uh, and you know, there's a couple guys that could turn out to be good, but that's the big word, could. So we'll, I'm going to sit back, wait and see, you know. It's an interesting mixture of quantity and quality, but at the end of the day, the draft is just an educated guess on how these guys are going to translate to the next level. So, Gail, I want to get right into it. Because going into the draft, i got to give you a lot of credit. It is not uncommon for Gale to focus on a particular player or, or a couple particular players and give us the heads up like, yo, look, this is probably going to be the Eagles pick. Here's why it should be the Eagles pick. And once again, 
Gale nailed it right on the head. Jalen Rager was taken with the 21st overall pick. After seeing some wide receivers kind of start slipping down the board, especially in the teens. Gail, let me start with you. Do you think the Eagles made the right selection in Jalen Rager? And do you think they should have tried to trade ahead or move up or at least try to leapfrog the Dallas Cowboys so they didn't get a prospect like C.D. Lamb? Well, you know, the whole theory of like trading up is, uh, you know, it sounds great on paper. But when you look at the wide receiver gauntlet, we knew that we had to get in front of, you know, most likely the Raiders, uh, you know, trying to get up to uh, the Jets pick. You know, Uncle uh, Joe Douglas is up there. He needed a tackle for his uh, quarterback. You know, uh, you know, the, 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 the Raiders were going to they, they grabbed rugs. Uh, you know, the 49ers needed DT help. With J- Javon Kinlaw was there, you know the uh, you know the Broncos weren't passing on Jerry Judy, and then you look at sixteen, you know the uh, that that could have been the, the that could have been the spot where you traded that pick. I don't know how, what the price was. The rumor was what, two, a second round pick, perhaps. We're not sure, but they needed a cornerback. Uh, C.J. Anderson went early, so they went with their next pick. A.J. Terrell got their cornerback, and that's how C.D. Lamb fell in the laps of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but moving towards, you know, we're going to focus on the positive here. And Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is a guy who the Eagles had tremendous amounts of intel on. That they, you know, his father worked with the Eagles, played with the Eagles. Um, you know, he, he, he's a player that when you look on, on paper and on the field to see what how he scores and how he wins, he can get vertical, he can run jet sweeps, he can run slants. Uh, he can uh, score in the intermediate game. He can score on 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 uh, special teams. So you, when I when all I just all those things that I mentioned, there's the, only a small amount of guys that can actually do that. So when you, you're talking about immediate impact, is what Jalen Rieger has mentioned time and time again in his interviews. That's what he brings to the table: immediate impact. Uh, so I, I was I was really happy with the uh, the first round pick. Chris, I know you were a fan of the pick as well. What are your thoughts on uh, this young speedster and what he brings to the Philadelphia Eagles offense? So Jalen Rieger is a guy that's been on my radar for a really long time. Uh, I always go on the high school rivals list, and I try to keep track of everyone. Uh, Jalen Rieger, uh, he's been one of the top wideouts uh, in the country for years. He actually had offers from Alabama, Oklahoma, all the top schools. He actually was set to be teammates with C.D. Lamb, but he actually deferred because uh, there's some health issues in his family, and he wanted to be closer. And TCU is actually, I think, 10, 12 miles away uh, from his home. So that's why he ended up there, and it hurt his draft stock. Uh, even though he was still a very successful player. But, hey, I think everything happens for a reason and allowed us to get him at 21 instead of having to move up. Uh, the big thing with Jalen Rieger is it was, almost, like I was saying, destiny that he came here. His father played here in 2007, um, and his father's also was teammates uh, and won Super Bowl with our new wide receivers coach, Aaron Moorhead. And he's actually been FaceTiming uh, with Coach Moorhead, and we instantly had that connection. He could probably tell... Uh, Jalen how had has been with the coaching staff and meeting some of the players. Uh, but the thing with Jalen Rieger, the reason why I love him, was he, they talk in baseball about five-tool players. Well, I want, I want a first-round pick and all the picks to uh, hit all five points. Is he a culture fit? Is he a team fit? Is he an athlete? Does he show up on film? How does he interview? And what is his why? 
And the thing with Jalen Rieger was a lot of these people, they just play because they want to make money. Um, they just feel like I've been doing it my whole life and I'm pretty good at it. And they kind of lose that drive. With Jalen Rieger is the first time I've ever seen him play or heard him talk, he was just so focused. And you could tell that his dad being a pro himself, it rubbed off on him. And the big thing is he was surrounded by NFL talent his entire life. John Kitna ex-NFL quarterback was his high school coach back-to-back thousand yard receiver there in Texas gold medal winner in the broad jump in Texas and it's not like he's in the middle of like uh some slouch uh programs he's in Texas football is uh a religion down there and he he's been incredible ever since uh he started and the thing with him though is the way he tested everyone was worried about the quarterback play why his uh stats were down he was in the 98th percentile in the broad jump, 97th percentile in the vertical jump. His 40, don't listen to the combine. I know everyone talks about it. If you really look at his TCU record, it's a 4-3-2. That's in the 95th percentile. And then he's not a small dude because everyone's like speedster small dude. His numbers, if you match him up with Saquon Barkley's when he was a sophomore at Penn State, they're almost identical. 17 reps at the bench at 225. I mean... Jalen Rieger is going to bring something to this team that we haven't seen in a long time, or we maybe haven't even seen in the NFL other than maybe Tyreek Hill. Uh, dynamic. Uh, he is going to fight as hard as he can every single play for the city, for his team, and I'm just really excited that he's the guy. I mean, we talk about the CD Lambs and everyone else, but there's only a finite amount of people in the draft, let alone the league, that can do what Jalen Rieger can do. He can score from anywhere on the play, Dude is a hard worker. He does 800 push-ups a day. He lost 12 pounds before his pro day because he was sick of people calling him fat and saying he was slow. And from now until the day that he retires, an eagle, hopefully, he's going to give you 100%. And he's going to uh, we're going to be cheering his name every single Sunday at the link. So the glow-up was real is basically what you're telling me. And listen, the concern about all these NFL teams when selecting – a young man, and that's what all these prospects are. They're young, man, young men about to become millionaires coming into the league. Is How do they conduct themselves as a pro? How do they conduct themselves as a professional? How do they conduct themselves acting on behalf and being a representative of the organization that drafted them? And especially during these COVID-19, this COVID-19 crisis where, you know, the, there's, there's Doug Peterson just told us in public that he had his first team meeting, virtual team meeting. So having a father who was an NFL player and surrounding himself with people that have been there, done that, and know what it takes to be a pro in this league, that's going to be invaluable to a young man like this, steering him in the right direction and making sure that he keeps his nose to the grindstone. And when this whole thing blows over, that when training camp starts, if and when that happens, it's going to happen at some point, that he's going to be ready in tip-top shape and know exactly what's expected of him from this Philadelphia Eagles team. For what it's worth, I did talk to somebody at the Eagles about the whole, you know, C.D. Lamb trading up and, uh, you know, should they have done it, did they even try to do it? And all the information that I got back was actually C.D. Lamb was the third-ranked wide receiver on their board. And if you're taking a guy like uh, Jalen ahead of Jefferson, you have to assume Jalen was their number two option, if not their number one. I know Ruggs was taken early, kind of fits that same mold, that outside speedster, burner, athlete type of mold. You have to assume that maybe he was one on their board. But the Eagles got in the first round who they wanted. Evan, did you, enjoy, did you like that pick 
at 21. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you just laid out exactly um, as to why he would be number two on their list. I think Henry Ruggs, considering his speed, uh, would probably be their top guy because he was one of the, the big three that were going into the draft. But honestly, like when they drafted him, I there was a lot of panic in the fourth and John chat and in, in the uh, in the yeah. Zoom um, conference we were having. There was there was a lot of panic going on there. Yeah. I personally I was I was a fan of just the athleticism of him, and then I, Chris started to mention his story. And it just really speaks to his work ethic. And then you look at stuff like uh, John Clark put out shortly after he was drafted. The fastest that uh, Jalen Rager was clocked at at TCU, he clocked in at 22.60 miles per hour. While Tyree Kill, the fastest he's been clocked in his career, is 22.64 miles per hour. That is just a hair uh, slower than Tyree Kill. And if we're bringing that sort of speed... To this offense, that first of all is not a four-four-seven type uh, forty. That that is elite speed that can really change this offense, and he could be the premier uh, game player or playmaker on this offense. I believe. And that, and that's going to be one of the underlying themes of this draft. When we go back and we take a look at all those players that they selected, a lot of them have that one thing in common, and that's speed. And Howie speed. Roseman said that he. You know, he told Doug Peterson, basically slipped them that piece of paper with three things written on it. Number one, can this guy run? Number two, is he healthy? And number three, is he is he a culture fit? Does he love to play the game? And I think when you take a look at all the draft picks, and we're going to get into all of them coming up, when we take a look at these draft picks, a lot of the boxes are checked. A lot of these guys can run. A lot of these guys are healthy, and a lot of these guys love to play the game of football, and you absolutely have to respect that about the Eagles' selections. Right, Gail? Yeah, man. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they brought in guys that were all productive, also leaders. And if you go through some of these guys' stories, whether it be, you know, uh, you know Jalen Hurts. He's a coach's kid. Uh, comes from a championship background. Uh, you know, won a national championship. Runner-up for the Heisman. Uh, you know, Davion Taylor, a guy who didn't even play in play one game in high school, but his story. He, he shopped his tape out there, and he finally uh, got to a community college. You know, due to religious reasons, he couldn't he couldn't play because his parents wouldn't let him. You know, works his way up to Colorado and gets on the team, uh, gets a scholarship. And you, you talk about the drive that these players have. Like, um, it, it's it, there's so many like great stories in between to see how these guys made it. Um, it's that, that's the that's the real cool thing to look at. Uh, K- Kevon Wallace out of Clemson. Guess I mean, guess who his college roommate was? Brian Dawkins' son. So I mean, there's these, these so these really cool stories uh, that uh, you know you can focus on during the draft. Uh, absolutely. Now, what would you say to a guy like me who wakes up on Saturday morning, didn't check Twitter after the pick, right? Didn't check Twitter after the pick, was feeling pretty good about the Rager pick. You know what I mean? Fe- feeling pretty good because Gail had to, if, hey, listen, at any time during the draft, if I look at Gail and Gail is happy, I'm happy. So I'm feeling pretty good about the pick. Wake up Saturday morning, check the timeline on Twitter, and like I said, absolutely on fire. What would you say to those individuals that were, you know, as I'm shielding my eyes from the flames on the timeline that were saying, but his stats, but his size, but his drops, 
but this, but that. What would you say to those individuals, Gail? If you, if you don't do the research and if you, you go in not knowing anything and you just start thinking about groupthink and you start looking around, uh, I mean, you have to start piecing it together how he fits and how he works with this roster. Like in, in terms of the lack of speed on the outside that we, we were lacking, the, the lack of yards after catch, uh, we were like fifth worst uh, in the NFL last year. We needed guys that can get yak. Uh, think about special teams. This guy becomes a day one starter. Uh, but other than that, versatile, who can, who can play inside, outside, out of the backfield, get vertical. For those people who are questioning his vertical ability, I mean, did you watch the tape? Um, it's it's very it's imperative to just watch the tape uh, and and not like think about what everyone else whatever everyone else is saying. But at the end of the day, this guy is uh, you know you're looking at his quarterback play. Like I, I put out a tweet like Rugs and Judy, their 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 quarterback was Tua, fifth pick, Heisman runner up. Lamb, he had Hurts, Heisman runner up. Mayfield, Murray, both Heisman first overall pick. Justin Jefferson, QB, uh, Joe Burrows, Heisman first pick. Rieger's quarterback, if you don't know, was a true freshman named Max Duggan last year. Uh, so in terms of him upgrading from Max Duggan to Carson Wentz, this is what you're talking about. You're, you got to forecast how this guy can win at the next level. Um, and I think they were they were sold on him. Now we are going to get into it, into the meat of the draft, the thing that everyone on Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio, everyone in Philadelphia, hell, everyone around the nation is talking about, and that's the surprise pick when Howie Roseman picks up the phone at pick number 53 in round two and says, Jalen Hurts, quarterback from Oklahoma, are you ready to be a Philadelphia Eagle? I'm not sure I'm even over the shock of this, I'm not even sure that I that I completely understand it, but as we've had time to digest the draft as a whole, especially this pick, Gail, how are you feeling about the Eagles selecting not a wide receiver, not anything to build around Carson Wentz, not a defensive contributor right away on the field, no, a quarterback. How are you feeling about that, Gail? Well, you know, I was a shock and awe. If you guys saw the live stream, uh, my face had like different like the face different faces of death like i had like this <laughs> shock and awe feeling but by the three hours later i was ready to do something uh you know crazy um because it was just frustrating to know that there was you know there's talent on the board whether it be safeties whether it be a, another wide receiver for carson wentz whether it be you know some interior uh offensive linemen um linebackers and such but it, it just sent a shock wave uh through the uh Eagles Nation, just seeing that uh, Jalen Hurts, like when the the pick was announced, I thought it was a it was a joke. I mean, some people had the pick earlier than you know whoever had the highest internet speed got the you know picks first. But um, I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was fake. Um, that's how shocked I was. But when when the trade went, what I mean when it went down, we tried to try to make sense of it. We're like, is this going to be a trade bait? Is this are we picking this for someone else? Um, but after you know the smoke clear, we realized that he's probably going to be our backup quarterback. You, I mean, you have to you have to make sense of it. I mean, it's you can't just sit. You know, we can't we can't keep bitching and moaning for the next couple of days or weeks. Like he's our backup quarterback. Um, in terms of what he brings to the table, 
you're talking about a winner. I talked about he's a coach's kid. This kid has been, uh, you know, coaches' kids have a certain demeanors. They're usually leaders, leaders of men. Uh, you know, he showed as a freshman uh, coming into Bama, you know, being a, a dual threat. And then uh, also showing the humility to, you know, after he lost his starting gig to Tua in the national championship, he came back again to support his, his team and his quarterback. Uh, ended up transferring to Oklahoma, became a Heisman runner-up, but showed his versatility. Um, you know, like he, he like he really put up some crazy numbers. If you think about how he fits or how, what what they're trying to figure out and how to use him in the RPO RPO game or, or you know QB sneaks or draws and such. I mean, the guy put up 1,290, like 1,300 yards rushing last year, 20 touchdowns. Um, you know. 3,851 passing yards, 32 TDs, and eight interceptions. He's got that mobility they like. Um, they could do some things with him. Uh, obviously, they could build a little package for him. But in terms of saving money, uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get Jalen Hurts for the next couple of years for $5 million uh, for the next four years. Uh, the average journeyman quarterback out there could cost you between five to seven and it goes up on depending on how good they are so you could play five to you know ten million dollars for uh, a really solid backup for Carson Wentz if they're trying to save money I, I get I get where they could make you know can save some money there and then you have a quality guy that in case Carson Wentz goes down and that, that there is the insurance policy so if Carson Wentz goes down they hope they have a better player. I mean, we had a 40-year-old uh, take off and run during the playoffs and tore his hamstring. Uh, you know, Nate Subfell hasn't been the guy that, that they thought he might be. Um, and they, they made that excuse about he wants to be a starter elsewhere. I mean, that, that didn't really make sense. But at the end of the day, it sends mixed signals um, to us. Uh, but it, kinda, it shows that they know that Carson Wentz is injury-prone, and that is why... Jalen Hurts is here. Oh, duh, Gail, you certainly sold me on Jalen Hurts, man. Right then <laughs> and there, you sold me on Jalen Hurts. If we didn't have a quarterback, number 11, currently on the roster, if we didn't pay him to just the, the fat contract that we did last year, and had we not picked him in the second round, Chris, how, how did you interpret the pick? What does this mean for the Philadelphia Eagles? What does this mean for – what does this mean, dude? What does this mean? So the biggest thing with this is we might not know what this means for years. And that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. And we talked about this. I listened to the emergency pod and we were on for – Gail and I were on until 3 a.m. talking about this, talking to so, dozens of people just trying to decipher this. Like the only way – like they kind of almost set themselves up to fail in a way because if – you don't need to sell us on Jalen Hurts the player. We know he's great. Runner-up in the Heisman, uh, clean-cut kid, awesome guy in the locker room, uh, talented, athletic. Obviously, he's a prospect that has to prove it in the NFL, but the how we, I, the problem that I think fans have is that they're trying to make us sound, like, they're treating us like we're dumb. They're treating us like we don't do our homework, and they're, like, trying to sell us on the kids. Like, no, we know who Jalen Hurts is, and we like the kid. Um, we just don't like, Jalen Hurts the player, cool. The concept of him being here and using that draft capital after neglecting to get Carson Wentz young, talented help for the four years he's been here, 
that's where the problem ensued. And the big thing is we don't live in this perfect glass box world. We live in a world where there is doubt around Carson Wentz, justified or not. I truthfully, you hear the injury prone thing. I think it's more almost like he's snake bitten in a way because look at the injuries. The dude's in a huge game to get the one seed against oh, yeah. the the Rams. He dives in for a touchdown, happens to get hit. It happens. The That's going to happen up. to any quarterback, right? Exactly. Like, and he stays in, and he throws a touchdown. He stays in. Like, not many guys have, have that. Like, it's the NFL. These guys are going so fast. They're they're gigantic. Like, people get hurt. And then the team, I think, is more at fault than him for the back thing. He came back early. They, And then he uh, got the stress fracture in his back. And then the thing with the concussion is the dude's healthy all year. He deserves the moment. Home game against Seattle. Jadeveon Clowney spears in the back of the head. I don't consider that injury prone because it's eight games out of 48 that he's missed in, in general. You got guys like Nick Foles. He missed 10, 11 games last year. Not that it's injury prone, but Nick Foles is someone who's dealt with injuries his entire career. It's the NFL. It's professional sports. These guys are going fast. The thing with Jalen Hurts is I like the player, and the thing is we might not know until worst-case scenario if it was a good pick. And my issue with it is you put this kid, Jalen Hurts, in the position where his dreams just came true. He is an NFL player. There was 32 teams he could have gone to. Most of them have starting quarterbacks. But here, he comes here, and he knows, I'm not going to beat out Carson Wentz. This guy is an MVP caliber quarterback. The only way I play is if, A, he gets hurt. I don't want that. I'm a good guy. He's a good guy. B, he gets traded because maybe they don't trust him and they want to use a cheap asset like me and and uh, and uh, put, implement me into the offense and the franchise. So, uh, I mean, I can – and the whole thing about the draft capital down the road, I don't really like it because the only way he gets it. value is if Carson Wentz gets hurt and you and he, the kid balls out. That's how you get draft value. And the thing when people are, like, using examples like, well – Breeze had Taysom Hill behind him. Um, Garoppolo and Brissett were behind Brady. Well, both dudes were already established, and they were both over 35 years old when they got him. They didn't exactly. like they were Hall of Famers when they got him. Brady was a Hall of Famer when Garoppolo came on board, and they had the rings. They had they had the dynasties. Drew Brees was a Hall of Fame quarterback, and Taysom Hill was an undrafted guy that um, left Green Bay and ended up on their team. And then he is like a gimmick player. No one takes Taysom Hill seriously. Like he's a he's a talented guy, and he has his use in the NFL. But they didn't use a second round pick on him. So the thing with me is Jalen Hurts. Um, welcome to Philadelphia. We're going to support you. Um, and the thing is, we think I think the draft class as a whole was very solid, but this is a pick where we're going to go on the draft uh, board and look at picks 54 through uh, the, the mid-third round and say, could any of these guys have helped us day, like day one instead of having this guy automatically put a shadow over Carson Wentz and a target on his back, and all these other guys could have helped us immediately. And that's that's where the pause is. I had the same reaction as everybody else the first day. I, I was thinking that I, I don't know what their plan is for the future, but let's just, can we just, let's strip the human element out of it. The way that I'm trying to explain it is that we have a value now that is most likely going to appreciate when we usually get a backup quarterback whose value is going to depreciate. We have an asset that we can eventually move for a greater asset 
And in the meantime, we can create packages for him to be more than just a backup quarterback and actually be involved in the game plan. So, so what are you trying to do right now? Taysom Hill me? I'm not trying to Taysom Hill you because, to be completely honest with you, I'm not entirely in love with the Taysom Hill Saints offense. But what I'm saying is to say that we should go out and get a worse backup quarterback just so Carson doesn't have that fear of someone taking a spot doesn't, to me, make any sense. Well, I think that from that, that standpoint, I do believe that competition, man, it's all about competition. Uh, and I think the room should always be spicy. And I think you should have someone in there pushing another player. And, you know, I, not, not that I came to terms with it, but, you know, I was more offended for Carson versus the other way of looking at it. Like, for all right, you're bringing value into the, into the locker room. Um, it's about the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles when Carson Wentz goes down. You know what I mean? It's like, if he goes down again... It's about having a, a guy that can step up after when he goes down. Um, I just, I mean, it, it's if he was drafted in the third round, it, w- it w- I would have felt better. Uh, I was just watching some stuff on during the combine. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah was saying that, you know, he could be a third round, third to fourth round grade, but he's like, I don't see him getting out of the second round. Uh, and here we are in the, at the end of the back of the second round, and the Eagles. They, they took them, and that's the hardest part for all us, all of us to swallow is they said that he was the best player available on their board, and you're you're like there's a whole bunch of players on the board that could be uh, maybe instant starters, um, and the fact that he's got to sit, and we, we we might not ever see uh, what what his value is until two years from now, or hopefully Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, but it's that's the like we're all we're all dealing with what ifs now. Third round pick, Davion Taylor, uh, linebacker out of Colorado. Chris, how do you feel about that pick? Uh, so Davion, I think that he might have been a reach uh, as far as draft capital, but he's a very high upside guy. Uh, like all the picks that we have, they're highly motivated, hardworking guys. I know you don't like to hear that because we want athletes, but he's a superb athlete. The thing is, he's just super raw. Um, I think it just is a little lack of experience. Uh, Davion, and the funny thing, though, is we were so worried about getting a linebacker. Well, we got one, and we actually got multiple linebackers that we'll actually talk about later. But Davion Taylor, he is a superb athlete, um, super athletic, great in coverage, I think that he is going to be a star special teams guy that can push for a starting role, um, mostly because we don't really have much depth at the linebacker role. I mean, I I, I think he'd be a good pick. I just don't know how well we're going to develop him because we really haven't done that well at developing linebackers thus far. So it's kind of a wait and see. Uh, you got to prove it to us thing. Um, well, yeah, I think he's just a raw prospect. You think that he, he, he has more football to learn. Uh, he's very eager. Um, you know, he played that star star linebacker position. Uh, I mean, the thing is, this 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 they've been trying to bring in speed. Uh, and this guy runs a four four nine. Uh, he ran that at the combine. Ran a four three nine at his pro day. Um, he, he flies to the football, and that's the one thing that shows up on on film. It's just the way that he uh, is. Just like he he's got like a sprinting background, and at, at the linebacker position. You know that's that's you know you you like those speedy linebackers who can run sideline to sideline. I think his uh, he he just has to um, is you know he's still raw, uh, but he he's I think he's talented. Um, but you know third round I, it would have been nice. 
if it was the fourth round, but again, uh, if they liked him, they liked him. Um, I had a, I had a fourth round grade on him, but we we will see. We now, like I said in the beginning, felt some sort of way day one, felt differently about day two than I did day one. And after kind of digesting the reaction of Jalen Hurts being drafted in the second round, day three was its own separate animal. And Howie Roseman, after his day two press conference, kept referring to making hay. Making hay. That was his that was his buzz phrase, along with, you know, quarterback factory, but I kept hearing him talk about making hay. Well, Howie Roseman certainly made hay day three when he turned value into more picks, quantity, quality. So we're going to dive right into it with the first of the Eagles' fourth-round picks, number 127, Kayvon Wallace, safety out of Clemson. Gail, what do you think about this pick? Oh, he was a player that the Eagles were sniffing around during the, uh, you know, the pre-draft process. I think uh, you know, you're getting an aggressive player. Uh, he plays downhill. Um, I think he's... Uh, I think he's gonna, you know, have an opportunity to blend in with the safeties. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was really good value where they got him. You know, I, I was, I was perfectly okay with when the pick was coming up. You know, we had mentioned him multiple times. It seemed like every time we mentioned a pick, they'd go off the board. Uh, but Kayvon, uh, Wallace, he fell right in our lap. So uh, I thought it was a solid pick. Kayvon Wallace, I'm a huge fan of him. Gail talked about it earlier, how Kayvon Wallace was actually Brian Dawkins' son's uh, college roommate at Clemson. Uh, he is actually, since 2017, the highest rated safety in coverage, of a rating of 92.1. Uh, the thing with Kayvon Wallace is very versatile, and we had, know that we have Rodney McLeod for, uh, I think it's a two-year deal, and I think Wallace is a perfect understudy for him. He is great in blitzes, uh, solid in coverage, uh, really, really tough and gritty. Um, he's a little undersized, but it it shows up on tape that it doesn't really matter. He's a tough guy. Hopefully, you don't we don't put him in position where he's going to be going against the larger tight ends uh, or wide receivers in the NFL. But uh, kids, uh, he's gritty. Um, I think he's going to fit here well, and he was a hell hell of a pick in the fourth round. I, I, out of, out of, honestly, out of all the day three picks, I mean, this is the one that kind of stands out to me. I had the opportunity to do a little uh, Philadelphia Eagles Skype interview with, not interview, but like sit in on a Zoom meeting where Dave Spadaro was talking to uh, to a couple of the draft picks. And this guy really stood out. I mean, here he's showing off his two championship rings. He knows what it's like to be a championship. He roomed with Brian Dawkins Jr. He's, uh, you know, he's very familiar, very friendly with the Brian Dawkins with the Dawkins family and everything. So this kid really had the presence, had the stats, has the speed. I look at a guy in the fourth round as someone you can develop. And if the Jalen Mills experience doesn't work out and Rodney McLeod eventually, you know, moves on as he will, this is a guy that could, you know, develop into really a big part of the secondary, especially the way he can fly around the ball. Hey, did you see uh, Brian Dawkins had a tweet out about him too? No, I didn't. Uh, it goes, it goes, uh, Philly, do me a solid. Lake Kayvon Wallace, strive to be the best version of Kayvon he can be. He's shown himself willing and able to listen, learn, and grow, earning the right to be trusted leader at Clemson and his family and his faith and his worth, ethic, and passion. You know what? I'm going to trust I'm gonna uh, trust what B-Doc has to say. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go with this as a good pick. The Doc seal of approval means a lot in Absolutely. this city. Uh, coming into the draft, one of the underrated needs for this team was on the offensive line. 
We saw that Kelsey had already announced that he would be returning from 2020, and hey, we were all happy about that. But we know we need some depth along that offensive line now that um, you know now that last year's first round pick is going to be taking over that left tackle spot, uh, taking over for Jason Peters. Uh, you got Lane Johnson on the right side. Kelsey, maybe one, two more years left in him before he retires. You have some injury issues with Brooks, say Amalu. You know what? Can you upgrade at that position? The Eagles in the fourth round to pick 145, draft Jack Driscoll, offensive line out of Auburn. What do you think about that pick? Uh, I thought it was a solid pick if you're looking at him as a utility guy. I mean, he had 37 starts at uh, right tackle, seven starts at left guard, one start at left tackle in total, 46 games played, uh, 45 games started. Uh, he transferred from UMass, so he was looking for you know a better opportunity. So he he was solid at UMass. Uh, transferred to Auburn, uh, of all places, uh, was a solid starter there. Um, and then um, during the pre-draft process, uh, he started taking snaps at center. So if you're talking about the uh, a utility guy, some guy that could come in and play tackle, guard, and, and even maybe center, I, I think uh, Stoutland might like a player like him. Um, and I think, you know, he, he's very smart in the classroom, uh, definitely he has two college degrees. I think he, he's got his master's as well. Um, so a, a smart player off the field and on the field. So, um, you know, they, the Eagles like those kind of intangibles. And Gail, his dad played for the Bills too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, his dad played for Buffalo Bills. He was the 12th round pick in the 89 draft. 12th round. 12th round. He was a steal in the 12th round. Can you imagine doing a, doing like a draft live stream, like going to the 12th round? Dude, man. Gail could have, man. Yeah, Gail I, was I, a man on a mission that weekend. I, I, I would have been there. I, I bet I he was. live streaming. Another have the straw hat guy on that one. <laughs> another uh, prospect that has Eagles fans really excited, especially on the speed angle. In the fifth round, pick 168, John Hightower, who's uh, – was it his grandmama? Was, his, yeah. was that his grandmama? She won, she won that day, man. She won Twitter, man, talking about going to bleep in Philadelphia. I absolutely loved it. I'm waiting for uh, for Hightower to drop. I want to get in on the pre-order for the we're going to bleep in Philly t-shirts. You know, he's got, If he was smart, he would capitalize on it while he can. But a kid from Boise State, an absolute burner. Chris, what can you tell me about this prospect? Uh, John Hightower, a uh, guy with uh, good size, 6'2", uh, like probably 180 playing playing weight. Uh, two solid seasons at Boise State. Uh, he just had 51 receptions, 943 yards, eight touchdowns, uh, 18.5 yards per reception. And the greatest wow. thing about him was, uh, regardless of that, those stats, was he qualifies as the third most yards um, average depth of target was 17.7. Uh, the thing with John Hightower that I like is – the kid, his ball skills are amazing. I feel like he's exactly what, like, the Eagles wanted Matt Collins to be. Like, the thing with John Hightower is he is a steal in the fifth round because he's such a high upside guy, and he has the ball skills. He has the, tra- the uh, tracking skills. Um, he's an absolute burner. Uh, four four three speed. And as we learned after, as day three and uh, the Jalen Rager pick told us is. We're trying. It's a copycat league. We're trying to be like the two teams that are in the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, we're trying to be a track team, and people are acknowledging it. Chad Johnson and all these guys are saying like, 
Philadelphia is a track a track team now, and we'll see if it comes together. But that's one thing we're not definitely not going to be slow anymore. Love it, love it. Check checks all those boxes. Local kid, gotta love it. Temple Owls, the cherry in the white. Round six, pick one ninety six. Sean Bradley stays right here in Philadelphia after playing his college career at Lincoln Financial Field on Saturdays. He will be playing Sundays at that same exact stadium. Sean Bradley, linebacker out of Temple. Gail, your thoughts on this pick? Now he was a pick that uh, you know, I was I wasn't really I did I, I was one of the names I didn't know, um, and I was you know as I as I was looking into him, I mean, he's uh you know as a senior captain, um, you know, and one of those those guys that you know, uh, during when the they started losing coaches, there was a transition period. He was he's one of those guys that got his teammates uh, together practicing or like make sure they're going to classes, make sure they're going, going to lift. Uh, lift. Uh, but, you know, he got one of those single digits, I be- believe. Um, Temple Tough. You know, when you get that number, a single digit number, that means a, a big deal. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, Barry. remember Barry Gardner? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is actually his agent. Um, and uh, his agent, Barry Gardner, was really was a t- former teammate of um, Doug Peterson uh, and definitely put – uh, you know, Doug Peterson on his radar. So obviously they had, the, they, they had the inside track on um, on Sean Bradley thanks to his agent. But um, you know he's a local guy, and he said you know he, the funny thing is he 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 knows where every divot and crivet is on the, the field. He said it's he's it's a dream come true to like play on the field that he's been playing um, throughout college. Um, so. Uh, you know, they get the local kids. So, I mean, I, I think it's a, a solid pick. Barry Gardner. I haven't heard that name in forever. Trucks, you're going to have to fact check me on this one. Barry I Gardner. think Barry Gardner was the second round pick after the Philadelphia Eagles selected Donovan McNabb. Fact check me on that. I'm, I'm reaching for that. I'm reaching back in the memory banks. Yeah, I, I knew but, you would know Barry Gardner. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I remember. I remember. In round six, pick number 200, we're getting deep into this thing, but Quez Watkins, wide receiver, Southern Miss. Chris, what can you tell me about this kid? So Quez Watkins, another speedster, and the good thing for him and Hightowers, they're not very small. They're both 6'2", 190. Uh, The thing with Watkins is he had three solid seasons at Southern Mississippi. Uh, This year um, he had over – he had 64 catches – 1,178 yards, uh, 18.4 yards per reception, six touchdowns. The good thing with him is you can use him all over the place. Very versatile. Um, he caught some passes even out of the backfield. They move him all over the place, motion, orbit screens. Um, and the thing is, the speed, 4.35 at the combine. Uh, him and Hightower and Rager, uh, like we said before, it's a track team. You know, I, I, the thing I like about that, I mean, how he's actually, you know, he's, He's throwing darts in the right direction. Um, there's a trait they're looking for, fuel stretchers um, that can get vertical real quick. Um, and I think in terms of, like, opening up the field, like, again, like I was saying, you know, we were lacking team speed yet last year. And they, they're making it a priority. And that's, that's the only thing that is making me happy about uh, picking up some of these weapons. We're going to go ahead and move on to the last two picks for the Philadelphia Eagles, the last so pick. We, yep, we, we got Barry Gardner. Yeah. Uh, second, third pick of the second round, 35th pick overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And that was the same draft as the McNabb draft, correct? 99? Yes, sir. You want See? a cookie? You want a See? cookie? Yeah, I, listen. You guys know about these prospects. I got to get the cookies where I can get them, okay? So, yes, I, I, give me a damn cookie, Gail. Give me a damn cookie for remembering that one. But round six, pick 210. Out of Auburn, offensive lineman Prince Tega. Whoa. Go for it. Wanogo. Prince Tega Wanogo. My favorite name right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh there's a lot of positive reviews on this guy. There's a lot of people that's saying that they got great value for their last pick in the sixth round. Gail, what do you say to this one? Uh, he, he was a solid prospect. I mean, he was second team all CC, uh, 49 games played, uh, 32 uh, started. I think uh, great movement in space. Um, you know, him not giving up a sack is pretty cool. Um I think uh, his junior year might have been a little bit better than his senior year. But um, overall, I mean, like the dude was the, – the funny thing about this guy, he's an actual prince. Um, his, what, wait, uh, what? Yes. <laughs> he's an actual prince. So this, is, so this isn't Not like – Not just his name? This is like a coming to America story, dude. He came to America to play basketball. Um, and then he they, – you know, he t- they turned himself into a football player. Um, and, uh, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, this is almost like a coming to America story. His dad is the, I mean, his grandfather is the king of their village in Africa. Um, and he, really, here he is on the Philadelphia Eagles. Move over, Jordan Mayalata. We have a cooler story this year. (laughs) We have royalty, royalty. I'm going to give you his pronunciation of his name. Did I, Uh, did I absolutely butcher it? It's Prince Tega. Wanna go, wan no go, wan no go. Gail and Chris, uh, I I can't help but notice that both the tackles we end up getting were from Auburn. Do you think that is one is better than the other, or why why are we able to get one? You know what I mean? Well, the reason why uh, Prince slid was because he got medical uh, red flagged at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jim Nagy didn't think it was a concern at all, but they like technically weren't allowed to let him play at practice. Um, and the thing was, he had a injury in the uh, Kent, against Kent State uh, September 14th where his knee just started to swell a little bit. But the okay. thing was, he started all 12 games at left tackle, and he was incredible. Didn't let up a single sack this year. And in that SEC. red flag, yeah, exactly. And the red flag, it was so close to the draft because the Senior Bowl was only a month ago. And uh, with the coronavirus going on, they, no one could check him out, so he slid all the way back. But he was probably like a third or fourth round uh, talent value. Um, NFL Network rated him a uh, 6.17 on their scale, which usually means that you're going to be a starter within like your first or second year. And I see right. it on tape; like he's incredible, extreme, extremely athletic. Yeah, you know, the, the, I was, mean, he was he was getting like third round grades. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that where we got him, you know that I mean that's. That's key. And I think the, I always feel good about like st- just having Stoutland in the mix. You know, like absolutely. If he can, uh, you know, find players that he likes, I'm good. I'm good. Lastly, rounding out this 2020 draft class, round seven, pick two, thirty-three, Casey Tuhill, rusher out of Stanford. What can you tell me about this individual? Yeah, you know, I think this guy, you know, he could, he could rush the passer. But uh, I think um, when you're looking at him, uh, probably be uh, a guy to push the back end of the roster. 
Um, Special you know, teamer. You know, a guy that can, can the high motor guy. Uh, I mean, I think I think um, <laughs> gotta love those Eagles high motor guys. Granted, we're think, talking uh, about the seventh round here, so the expectations are low. If you if you get a backup, you get a backup. If you get a starter, hey, that's absolutely wonderful. But you know, value value pick. Yeah, uh, ben, ben, you Everywhere. know, Ben Solak was saying that this this guy was probably uh, on Connor Barwin's list. Um, he said Connor Bar. Barwin was like all over um, this guy, just checking him out, and he feels like this is this could be this could have the Connor Barwin scent all over it. Well, hey, we appreciate you all, you guys tuning in to the 2020 NFL Draft Fourth and John Reaction Show. Make sure you give us a follow at Fourth and John on Twitter, and give us a like on Facebook. Well, now that we're doing these live streams, these quarantine live streams, we want to connect with you, the fans. So give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, let's go birds, and we will see you. I don't know when's training camp. When's this quarantine over? We gotta get out of here, but we will see you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.